In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So we are here on the uh, third Sunday of Advent, the candle representing joy as we have our pinky candle and our pinky vestments and the great joyous message of John the Baptist. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? But even, even within this, there, there is uh, joy. Despite the, the, the parts about uh, laying the, the axe at the root of the tree and, and the chaff being burned with unquenchable fires, we'll see this is, it's, it is a message of joy. For, for the passage ends today, and so with many other exhortations, John preached good news to the people John is a prophet who, who is preaching good news. He's preaching the coming of the kingdom of God and, and really the first prophet to be preaching that for a long time. Most of the other prophets say, there's really nothing you can do. The Babylonians are coming. You're going to be taken into exile. The temple's going to be destroyed. Good news is there's going to be a Messiah later on. Um, but for now, eh. Right, I mean, and this is the way most of the prophets come. There's these these oracles of of judgment, or oracles to call you back, or oracles to say this. Otherwise, there's going to be punishment. And even the punishment that that John talks about when he talks about Jesus coming with his winnowing fork and, and separating the wheat from the chaff. That's that's really it's not about separating the bad people from the good people. It's like the passage last week, where the refiner's fire is removing the impurities from you. The fuller's soap is taking the impurities out of you. When Jesus comes, you don't need to be baptized again with, with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And those things that are not in you that are of God, he'll burn away and you will be filled with holiness and righteousness. This is what John is saying, he begins this whole passage, right, with saying, who, who warns you to flee the wrath to come? Don't presume just because you're children of Abraham that, that you're in like Flynn, right? This doesn't mean anything, right? Don't assume because your lineage of who your father is. He starts with, you brood of vipers, don't presume you're children of Abraham, because brood of vipers means you're son of who? Not of like Adam and Eve, but of the serpent, right? The serpent who betrayed. So you're, you're that brood. Don't say you're this brood because that's not the brood you are. And it doesn't matter even if you were. Because God can raise up stones or children of Abraham from these stones, right? That doesn't mean anything. There's something more. It's an important important call for, for us to remember always is as Episcopalians who can sometimes sit there and say, I was baptized by Father Jones at St. Swithin's and confirmed by Bishop Henrietta, you know, and, uh, you know, and that's, and so I'm good. I've got it all taken care. I got all my bases covered. Instead, repent. And repentance 
especially in John the Baptist repentance, it's it's really sort of unfortunate in a way that this passage is, you know, two weeks before Christmas when we really are looking at 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 the joy of of the coming of the season versus Lent. This is really a better Lenten passage of repent, but it is about having a new perspective, a new hope, a new promise. And when people say, what should we do? John says, if you've got two tunics, two cloaks, give to somebody who doesn't have one. And the tax collectors came and they said, well, what should we do? Well, don't collect any more than your own, right? Don't take advantage of, of your situation. Don't abuse your power. The soldiers say, what should we do? Well, don't extort money. And this is, this, I mean, you, you sort of forget how radical of a message this is because most of the, most of the rabbis and, and um, Pharisees and the religious leaders would have been saying, what you should do is not work for Rome, right? The, the answer is you shouldn't, as a tax collector, not abuse your power. It's you shouldn't be a tax collector. If you're a soldier, it isn't you shouldn't abuse your power and extort people. It's you shouldn't be a soldier. Instead, John says, live, live right. Right, don't take advantage. And this isn't, this isn't um, you know, he's not talking to about one tax collector, right? He's talking to the tax collector system. This is, we've been talking about systemic abuses, it seems like for the last couple few years. But, but here it is again. This is what John is saying. There's a systemic abuse of of power in the tax collecting system, in the military system, whereas you're not content with your wages and you're taking advantage of people and and you should stop it. It isn't like, oh, this one tax collector is a bad guy, right? It's y'all are. And, And the reality is, of course, when you sort of come into this situation and you start you start saying things like this. Um, if one tax collector starts ta- stops taking advantage, it makes it harder for all the other tax collectors. It's like when the gas stations start lowering their prices. All the other gas stations have to start lowering their prices too. It's the same type of thing. What would happen if restaurants started paying their servers wages? You wouldn't have to pay their wages when you finished your meal, right? I mean, that's sort of the reality of of some of this, the stuff that John's saying. John is, John's, what, what, what a lot of times we call, he stops being a preacher and he starts being a meddler, right? Preaching is thou shalt not steal. Meddling is thou shalt not steal chickens, Right, he's sort of being very direct of of what is is taking place right now of of who is who is at fault and how life needs to be transformed. The kingdom of God is at hand, and you need to be prepared for the coming of the Messiah bursting forth into the world. And so how do we respond to this new reality? How do we respond to to God coming near? 
Because if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times we don't necessarily want God near. We like God over there. Preferably on a nice Christmas card in an nativity scene. We like we like God best as the baby Jesus God. That's how we prefer him, cute and cuddly. No crying he makes. Right, that's the God we like. Not the God who comes with a winnowing fork and baptizing us with fire and cleansing out all the impurities from our hearts and our lives. In some ways, we like it much better if God is just using his winnowing fork to separate the good people from the bad people because hopefully then I'm one of the good people and I'm just over here and you're one of the bad people and sorry for you, but maybe you should have been a little bit better and tied to the church more, right? I mean, it's life. But in reality, when it affects all of us, that God is really looking to come into all of our lives and pierce all of our parts and take and burn out all those things and refine us and purify us and lead us to a deep, powerful relationship. That when God says, I'm coming near to you, that means he's coming near to us. To be the savior of the world. This is a radical thought. The Messiah is not coming just to take down Rome and to bring Israel back up. God is coming to establish a new kingdom. A new kingdom where the powers of abuse and wealth and control are going to be overthrown. Because peace and grace and love and joy are going to prevail. Where mercy and compassion as we give away things that we don't need or excess. Where generosity takes the place of hoarding. Compassion takes the place of extortion. These are things that are, that are powerful messages and if we continued reading, we see that um, it doesn't necessarily go well, right? So with many other exhortations, John preached good news to the people. But Herod, who had been reproved by him for Herodias' brother's wife and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all and locked John up in prison. So the good news of the kingdom of God isn't always met with yeehaw. It's met with rejection, especially when you'd say, if you've got two coats, give it to the one who doesn't have a coat. And the coat maker says, wait, I got a new line of coats. That's last year's coat. You need this year's coat. Right? You should be getting a Ford F-150 for Christmas or a Lexus or most recently a Mercedes. Although I'm not sure if Ford 150s and Mercedes are any different anymore from last prices I've seen. But all the less, I don't know when all of a sudden Christmas has become. This would have, 
you know, now we're really meddling if we're here and John the Baptist. John the Baptist might say, you know, maybe just get one present for your kids who don't need, who have everything already. Oh my gosh, what will we do? Don't spend more than you, than you have. Oh, the credit card companies don't want to hear that either, right? Rejection is often what the good news is met with. Rejection. John's thrown into prison. Remember, in just the next chapter, Jesus' very first sermon, in his hometown, with all his people, tried to throw him off a cliff. The good news of God's kingdom coming near. It stirs up, as our colic said. Stir up your power, O Lord. It stirs you up. Because God is coming near. God is coming near. And he doesn't want to be out there. Jesus doesn't want to be out there or just in the manger. Jesus wants to dwell in our hearts, in our lives. Bring forth the spirit of joy and peace, and love that emanates in us and through us. And brings forth that good news of that kingdom that drives out the darkness of this world and brings forth the light of God's love. That we have a God who comes to us, dwells with us and in us, and works through us. This is the good news John proclaimed. This is the good news of this kingdom this season. And so for us, who are oftentimes immersed in the trappings of a surface relationship, religion, denomination, institution of Christianity, Seek that new perspective of allowing God to dwell deep in our hearts and transform our lives to reveal the glory of God's light and love to the world around us. Amen.